0: Welcome to Cover 4 Katie. I'm Zach Barker, Tanner Ebright, and I'm Brandon Ebright. The first half, we're going to cover 7-on-7, football recruiting updates. Second half, we're going to talk about the swimming and diving state meet. Then we're going to go into wrestling updates, and then we're going to dive into the basketball playoffs.
1: So we had a 7-on-7 scrimmage format this past weekend on the 10th. We had teams all around the the city come out from Team Texas Elite, All-In, King Academy, Air Assault, Fast Houston, with plenty of representatives from KDISD on various teams. So we're going to go ahead and, and cover those kids and how they performed and, and just a little bit of insight into how they're doing.
0: All right, so let's let's look at this first player, John Harrington out of Seven Lakes. Tanner, we've spoken previously about the different types of positions that he can play. Uh, what you all see from him in this scrimmage that you all had?
2: Yeah, so John plays for Team Texas Elite primarily at cornerback. He can play receiver, corner, quarterback, wherever you need him. He's just an all-around athlete. For the most part, you know, being new to DB – He's, he's locked down out there. I mean, I didn't see too many guys catching the ball on him uh, with the exception of one jump ball that was just a one-on-one 50-50 yeah. ball. You know, he's tall. He's got long arms. He's able to just rip the ball out of receivers' hands. Even on the jump ball, I mean, it was just a fantastic catch, but he was he was right on it, hand on the ball. And, and he should have had safety help on it, to be honest. Yeah, and it, it shouldn't have been a one-on-one ball. Yeah. But, I mean, his footwork and everything, he, just, he looks like a natural corner. And How tall is he? Uh, I believe he's, he's close to six foot. Okay, yeah. so
1: he's a bigger. Yeah, no, he's, oh, he's a long. He's, he's definitely the new the new archetype. That, that yeah, that's what, that's what I was yeah. about
2: to get into. It's just the way that the game's evolving. A lot of these <laughs> a lot of these D one programs are looking for bigger, taller, longer corners. Yeah. to compete with these you know just massive freak athlete wide receivers. And yeah. he can
1: accelerate, man. I mean, he's he's definitely got some burst in his step, without a doubt. And I think that and the fact that he's still he's still learning the position.
0: Yeah.
1: I uh, mean, he still he looks pretty natural out there. His feet are good. He's long. He's quick. There was one ball. They ran a fade to his side, just tried to test him, and he played played it perfect. Eyes never left the receiver. He didn't get caught looking at the quarterback or anything. Ball came down, dude had it, and he split the hands and he fought all the way down to the ground and could ripped that thing out. Yeah, yeah. could have been a good catch, but he just he fought with it all the yeah. way down, ripped it out, made a heck of a play. I think that he really does have a chance to become a, a really good defensive player. I don't know how Seven Lakes is going to utilize him
0: exactly. But uh, I foresee somebody trying to use him on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So y'all mentioned earlier, too, he was playing a little bit receiver last year. So a lot of the times the stigma is if you can't catch, you go play corner or safety. But this, he can catch, too. I've never, I've never bel- yeah. believed that. I play oh, defense really? and I can, <laughs> I can catch the ball just fine. <laughs> so uh,
1: there are definitely kids that get stuck on defense for that reason. But I don't believe that that's just a, a solid a nat- rule. Yeah. You know.
2: Maybe like a linebacker or something But yeah. the majority of the time if you're playing a DB I mean
0: you, you should be able to catch you have to have someone I expect, expect you to take the, really if that ball's out. in the air And, and you're the, I expect you to catch it and get us the ball In yeah. my opinion I think that's typically the stigma Then again I went to Maid Creek and <laughs> that, I think that was usually the transition that you took Was if you're fast, you're long You play receiver, but then if you can't catch You play <laughs> corner, yeah you play defense Alright so let's get into Ben Montgomery Safety out of Taylor What would he look like? Yeah, I'm not sure he gave
2: up a deep ball all day. I didn't see him do uh, much anything. Yeah. He, yeah, he may be a little under the radar recruiting wise, but I think this summer is going to be really really big for him if he can go out to the tournaments and play like he did in the scrimmage. Same with him and John, both were just absolute lockdown all day, and I mean nobody was nobody was really catching on him. The,
1: the only catch I saw him quote unquote give up was a terrible throw from the quarterback that was behind the receiver that. He wasn't obviously wasn't ready for because he was playing the receiver and the ball like hit off of him and popped up in the air and another receiver just came running by and caught it. <laughs> yeah. and that was that was the only thing I saw him give up all day. Other than that, uh, I mean, he was trying to make up for other guys on a couple of occasions where and you know, but he was he was on the spot, he was he was disrupting, he was doing his job the entire assignment time, assignment so, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's a very solid DB. The Hunter Washington, uh, corner out of Katie, real young kid. He's playing up with uh, with an, an elder age group for TTE. Um, it's interesting to see him go up against some of these like, yeah. you know, higher higher talent, like higher caliber of receivers. Again, a bit of a longer corner, especially compared to what Katie's had in the past. And he, he he's looked pretty good, man. I mean, he's gone out there and he's held his own against these guys that are older and have a lot more experience than he does, especially in this type of setting against these types of athletes. I thought I think he's been doing he's been doing really really well. It'd be interesting to see how he does once we get into these these bigger tournaments yeah, and yeah. start playing these other teams. And
2: yeah. even even the scrimmage like when people find out that he's a freshman, they try and, you know, they try and go to his side a lot more, but he holds his own. Uh, yeah, you know, he's not giving up the easy ones, just straight fades or anything like yeah, that yeah. that they try and pick on you with because he's bigger. Yeah, you know, he's he gets physical with them he, and he just holds his ground.
1: Yeah, he'll turn around with you, man, for sure. I mean, it there's plenty like you said, there's plenty of times where I just see him just drinking down the sideline with somebody cuz they think they can just do that but he's not a he's not your typical freshman DB man yeah. so it's interesting to I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on him a lot obviously being from KD I, I want to keep a closer eye on him right. anyways but uh yeah it'll be really really interesting to see how he develops a lot in the spring I think it'll be a good chance for him to to develop as an athlete physically against these guys but mentally to be able to know that he's faced high level varsity caliber guys mm-hmm. and done not just okay, but well, really well. Yeah. So.
2: But a couple of the freshmen, uh, Casey's shorter. He's a safety on Taylor. Uh, he may be up on varsity competing for the varsity job at safety this coming season. But we have him rolled down playing press. You know, he's a little bit of a bigger guy as a running back safety. And, you know, he's got some speed on him too.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he can accelerate for sure. But he's, like you said, he's a, he's a very well-built yeah. kid. Yeah. I didn't expect him to be able to move like he can. I like I like having him up front right now because I like what he can do with the line of scrimmage.
0: Yeah. So uh, typically seven on seven though is pretty. I know you you've touched on this earlier that like y'all seven on seven league is it's a lot more physical defensively. Um, normally like UIL it's offense oriented. Um, DBs can't touch the corners. Mm-hmm. It seems like y'all are harping a lot on these defensive guys. Um, is that kind of the the stigma? Is like you're allowed to be a lot more physical here. Yeah,
2: so um, UIL leagues. UIL is an offensive game. I mean, you can't press. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can hardly touch the receiver. Yeah. But the way that they run these tournaments and this club seven on seven is, they want to get away from that as much as they can. Yeah. So anything within five yards, you can press. You can put like DBs or doing their best to just jam them at the line and just disrupt any route they can. Yeah. And you can come in. You can you know break up a ball. They make you wear soft shell helmets. Okay. Yeah. To try protect and prevent, them a little bit. yeah, you know, concussions as much as they can, but they let you get physical. I mean, you can come in and break up the ball, and you know, you can run through a receiver a little bit if you have to. Yeah. As long as it's play. legal, you know, yeah. if you're making the play. Right. But I mean, it it's
0: very very physical out there, as physical as you can be without having pads on. Yeah. Which and that that's good because it it illustrates the game a little bit more, and it transitions you from seven on seven to to practice and things like that, and it prepares you for, you know. The real-time yeah, play. Well, exactly. I mean, because y'all know as well as anybody,
1: repetition counts, man. And so any kind of habit that you form, good or bad, whatever whatever you're taking the time to, to do over and over and over again is going to manifest itself into the way you play the game. Yeah. So if you're playing, no, and this is no offense to UIL 707 because obviously it is good to get out there and and play in space and do those things and yeah. it is if anything it's, it's a challenge because it forces you to play without your hands and you can approach it that way but at the same time it can force you to create bad habits because you're out there exactly playing the way that i don't want my defense my defensive players to play that way right. because if it's a forcing the habit to take a different angle that's a little more risky because you can't touch them or yeah. you know whatever it may be when we get into a real game i don't want those things to to have you know to become a problem mm-hmm. so if, if you're allowed to use your hands and you're allowed to press the way that i want you to press or the, the way i want you to jam a receiver off his route then that's going to create nothing but good habits yeah. defensively so I, that's always been my main hang up with uil so it is for defensive guys and that's why I, i'm i'm pretty much only coaching defense and tanner's focusing a lot on the offense yeah but uh it's it's a lot of fun for me to be able to emphasize on the things that i i'm not really allowed
0: to well I'll say even for the UIL stuff, we kind of just tell them to play how they play and we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the UIL stuff too, I think it there is a benefit to it because like, you can't be as physical, but requires you to be in the right position. In yeah, order to you have to be plays. a lot more technical. Exactly. Um, and it forces you to work on footwork. And, and your hips. And definitely. Your hips. And then you have to be
2: able to break on the ball faster because you got to be the receiver to it. Mm-hmm. You're can't, you can't, you're not allowed to come over the top like, to, like a tomahawk technique. Right. None of that's allowed. Right. You can't do anything. So there are positives to it, but I just think at the end of the day – this kind of seven on seven that is closer to how football should yeah, like, be yeah, playing. it's better. It, best, it, just it translates, translates
0: a little more. It's yeah. more beneficial right. to the players. All right, let's go look at another, a few more of these guys. Hayden Connor. Talk about him a little bit. What's he been doing in seven on seven? Because this is an offensive lineman playing seven yeah. on seven, and <laughs> you don't see that very often. <laughs>
2: no. Yeah. So we use him. We use him as like a <laughs> slot, you know, red zone kind of guy, any short yardage, really. Yeah. Uh, because it gets real physical, having a guy like him really helps. I mean, you can send him on an out route, and he'll push the linebacker back five yards yeah. before he breaks out. Yeah. And um, you know, he's just a he's a big target. He's got really good hands, surprising speed, you know, for his side. He's just he's an athlete. So having him out there has been really helpful. And then not only has he been one of our biggest targets, he's also stepped up and been like a vocal leader on the team. He's got the most varsity experience out of all the guys. So having him out there really helps bring everybody up when we're playing these older varsity teams because we coach the freshman team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having him on our freshman team and being a vocal leader and it's really helped us out.
1: You can tell it gives them a bit of a mental edge because and you know obviously we harp on these things too, but you got to remind these kids like, look, yeah, you're freshman, you know, you're 14, 15, yeah. maybe 16 years old. I don't really care how much older these guys are. I'm going to come out and compete. Man. This is exactly. seven on seven. This isn't real football, so they can't come out of here and just bully us like the way that they can't come out here and, and hit you and mm-hmm. you know, to intimidate you into a loss. It's seven on seven, yeah. so we can we can kill them with. The routes that Tanner draws up, we can kill him with with concepts. It's seven on seven football. Yeah, you don't have to come out here and be the biggest kid to win this game. Right, and to have it to have a big old kid like that <laughs> that has the experience that does give us a little bit of advantage where we have a disadvantage, and like you said, has the experience and the and the maturity to come out there and be like, look, guys, I'm here to win. Mm-hmm. You know we're we're here to win. We're not out here because it's fun to compete against these guys, and we're happy with a loss. We're here to win ball games. So yeah. I don't care how much older they are at all. And he's been he's been big for us in that in that regard. And even today in practice, he was asking me about coming on defense. I put him in a safety. <laughs> I, I let him play safety. He, he I mean, like you said, he's an athlete. He's not slow. And he did just dis- got good feet. He did fine. He didn't give didn't give up a single catch. I taught him how to play a banjo. He said, "Okay, cool." And he stepped down, did it, <laughs> broke the pass. I was like,
0: oh, "All right, yeah. there we go." And so. Just just for some context, Hayden Connor out of Taylor is an offensive tackle. He's 6'6", 295, <laughs> yeah, playing good. as a split tight end slot um, kind of player. And then, as you just alluded to, you put him at a safety. It's and pretty intimidating stuff from, a, I think, a quarterback yeah, standpoint. I told him
1: today after practice, like honestly, once we get down to red zone situations and if we had a team... This relying on a jump ball, or they got a guy that, yeah. that's a red zone go to guy. Yeah, absolutely, I I'll put ball. you back there, dude. Because you're not sure. gonna
0: throw a jump ball at you. For sure. So he's a he's a real versatile player. He's a good kid, and uh, it's gonna be fun to to have him for us yeah. in the spring. All right. So the next one, DeAndre Chandler, out of Tompkins. Talk about him a little bit.
2: Yeah. So he's a he's a young guy. He's a freshman as well. He came out there, and you know he's got decent height. Still plenty of time to grow. He's got real good hands. Runs great routes. And I think that, you know, there's a really solid chance that he's going to be up on varsity for Tompkins next year. So we'll see, you know, we'll see what he can do with the pads on. But in the 7-on-7 landscape, you know, he's balling right now. He's one of our go-to guys.
1: And here they have... Great speed yet, but I mean, you gotta remind ourselves these kids are young
2: still. Yeah, he's but the, what he does he,
1: have is he's got a really good stride. He runs good routes, and like Tanner said, he's very dependable. Yeah, and there's
2: another receiver built, you know, almost just like him out of Katy, uh, C.J. Baskerville, who plays for us too. He's taller. Than and him. he's a little taller. He's I think he's already over six foot. But yeah, he's absolutely. And you know, he he also has really good hands, great routes, and you know, those are those are two of our best receivers right there.
1: Yeah, C.J. I mean, he'll go up and get the ball, I man. He'll attack it. He knows how to go up and attack it at the right point to the point where they want to bring him up for some of these uh, tournaments for the older teams in TTE like the ones that our freshman team won't travel to mm-hmm. they want to use him because he, he got some of the reps against those older guys and I mean he's holding his own he, he went up and got it over a couple guys and he's not a very thick kid yet you can tell he's, he's toned up you can tell he's going to fill out that frame yeah. he's so he's so lanky right mm-hmm. now but for being as you know skinny as he is his hands are very very strong. He's a good route runner. Very, very very I mean he man he holds on to it th- multiple catches through contact in our first yeah. multiple. Yeah. Multiple. Yeah, he's a he's a good player.
0: Yeah. And
2: if you put it up there I mean he'll go up and get it. And mm-hmm. you know, we saw him catch a couple on the sideline where you know, he went up, got the ball, came <laughs> down, got hit. And, and still, still held on to it because his hands are so strong, like Brandon for, said. That
1: one in the corner of the hands zone was pretty – Yeah, deep.
2: and you know it, it didn't matter how much they were coming in, trying to hit him and break the ball up. He was holding on to it. Every time. So it was pretty impressive to see uh, you know, these varsity guys trying to break up a pass and this freshman guy just holding on to it <laughs> and just not being affected
0: by them. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on him uh, at the varsity level for Tompkins next year. All right, let's look at Brandon Campbell out of Katie. Talk about him a little bit. Yeah, so Brandon, uh, yeah, he was a quarterback
2: slash running back over at Maid Creek. And he's got some speed he's he's one of the fastest guys on the field, even if you put him at the varsity level, and you know he's a running back, but he's got great hands for a running back mm-hmm. and we throw we throw him some seam routes and and we let him just you know linebackers are trying to man up with them, and that's just it's not going to happen. You run an out route or give him an option route, he's open every time yeah these linebackers just cannot man up with him. and even when they bring a dB down, he just runs by them. And even if you put the ball up in the air, you know he's going to go up and get it because he's a running back that has receiver hands. Yeah. So it's going to be real interesting to see where, what position he ends up at, whether it's receiver or running back, and just like
0: what he can do on the field. What's What's his stature like? How tall is he? How much does he weigh? you Think. <sighs>
1: 5'9", five, five, maybe. Yeah, five, maybe nine? a little maybe, bit on the shorter side.
0: Yeah, maybe five ten max. Yeah, okay. Uh,
1: so but he's a, a little, little shorter, well but baby. he's built
2: and he's really fast. He's running varsity for uh, varsity track for Maid Creek at, right right now. Okay.
1: He uh, again strong hands though, like you said. I've seen him make multiple catches through contact, and just using him at the at the running back in the slot position. Yeah, either one is like you just work him out in the middle and force whoever's on him to. You have to respect him vertically at all times, mm-hmm. and you can work him in or out. So if you if you have if you give him three directions that they have to respect with the speed that he has, Good he luck. just torches people. Yeah. man. and it's
2: it's and
0: especially when they try and put a linebacker down it's there, over <laughs> <this>. it's over. <laughs> they put a <laughs> linebacker. He's going to be wide open every, every time. time. So I yes. hate to draw comparisons then, but where you see it, a little bit of Rodney Anderson in him. Um. Well, Rodney's, Rodney's a different back because he's he's taller. Yeah, Rodney's six so
1: one. He's yeah. He's a bigger, so it's yeah. a little
2: difficult to to try and say that. But until so we
1: see how he how he fully grows, right, you
2: know? right. Because yeah. he's, so, he's 15. Yeah. <laughs> his dad his dad's a little taller. So you know, if he yeah. gets the height that his dad has, he could end up being a little more like Rodney. It's just hard to it's hard to make that comparison.
1: But I will say, in the sense that I think you'll be able to do a lot of different things with him because Rodney was a web. You could put Rodney. In the backfield as your as your tailback you could put him in the at the wing spot you could right. put him in the slot and he was he forced you to have to worry about him no matter where he was on the field right. and that's that's the same type of element that he Yeah he'll bring so if you, yeah
2: if you took that aspect of Rodney yeah. that's a good comparison but running backwise just just looking yeah. at him if you had to make a comparison to a KD running back I would probably say a little more like Donovan where they're a little shorter Donovan young shorter could be a lot bigger depending like how he fills out Yeah and but still has that speed and quickness. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, talk about
0: uh, Bronson here.
2: Yeah. So okay. Bronson, Bronson and Gianni, uh, and Gulo. Bronson McClellan, Gianni and play for Fast Houston, um, one of the other big top notch clubs on Houston. And they had a scrimmage on Sunday. They played uh, a team called KB Three. With uh, Grant Gunnel, he, he was committed to A That guy was a quarterback, but he just decommitted. Uh, so he's a big quarterback out of Houston area. So Bronson had to step up and and challenge him. But he, he threw nine touchdowns on the day, so <laughs> I think he did pretty good in that aspect.
1: Yeah, Bronson's pretty. He's pretty accustomed to this this uh, environment already. He's been doing this. I mean, he's still a freshman right now, but he's been doing this competitive seven on seven circuit. He was doing it all last year, and he, at a very successful yeah. rate. I mean, he was playing well in the, the National Pylon Tournament. He went and, and balled in that last year. So the this the speed and the tempo of this game is nothing new to him. Even though he is young, he's already got experience. So he's, right. he's like a young season
2: vet. You know? yeah. yeah. And he's going to step up. He's going to be the starter on varsity for Katie this next year. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll have him on at a later date, talk about 707 Club and UIL when that gets started up. And maybe before spring ball, just ask him how the offseason's been going and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, Gianni Angulo plays DB for KD. He had an outstanding year this past season. Absolutely. You know, something like nine interceptions. And he had an interception during their scrimmage, so going against, you know, high-quality quarterbacks that are committed to A&M and stuff and got a pick. And also on that team, you have Jacoby Kennedy for KD and Marcus Stripling's out there playing 7-on-7 from Maid Creek. So Yeah, he's a,
0: Marcus is a pretty good athlete as well. I know he played a little bit of running back for Maid Creek. Um, that's a 6-3 defensive end that's yeah.
2: out there that can, the seven that can seven. So run <laughs> I'm sure they use him you know a little bit how we were using Hayden yeah and and then defensively you know put him at linebacker and have a man up some bigger running backs yeah. or slot Especially receivers. wrong like
1: that just take up a lot of space there in the middle you get long guys like that down underneath just he's making, big making, yeah, making hard
0: throws for quarterback yeah though. for sure alright tell us a little about the about the teams to watch in the Houston area.
2: Yeah, so Team Texas Elite, that's, you know, the guys we were mentioning, John, Ben, Hunter, Casey, Hayden, Connor, all those guys. Uh, they play for Team Texas Elite. That's what we coach for. We coach the freshman team. Uh, there's four different teams, three varsity and the one freshman. So there's guys at all levels uh, out of KDST that we'll be watching. We'll, you know, we'll be sure to give you all updates as we go. Uh, Fast Houston. That's Bronson, Gianni, Marcus, Jacoby, Air Assault. They have a couple of Maid Creek guys, I believe. A team called All In. Uh, they actually beat the top team, Team Texas Elite, in the scrimmage, which is a shock, big Richard, upset.
3: Richard and big so guy. they
2: put their name on the map after mm-hmm. that. And then King Academy is also a team to watch. Do All In and King
0: Academy have K D S D guys or those uh, those I'd have to. Kids? I'd have to look into it. I'm not. I'm not really sure. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look. I don't, I don't their think roster. All
1: In does. But okay. we'll have to, like I said, we yeah, weren't we'll, we'll familiar with it yeah. until this
2: morning. I didn't see anybody with All-In, but um, I think there's a Tompkins quarterback that plays for King Academy, so that would be interesting to okay. watch with their quarterback situation. Yeah. And, and then Aerosol, like I said, had a couple guys. So, yeah, um, I think he um, we'll try to, to, yeah, actually so pay for Aerosol. We'll do our best to get some updates on those teams throughout the season and throughout all the tournaments and stuff. The first big tournament is coming up on March 3rd. Uh, all these teams are traveling to Atlanta for the big pylon tournament. And then the weekend after that, there's a big tournament in Dallas that Team Texas Elite will be attending. And um, and then there's a big tournament in Miami that Fast Houston will be attending. So we'll try and get you all some updates on that as well.
0: Awesome stuff. All right, let's dive into these recruiting updates a little bit. Andrew Coker just picked up an offer from University of Houston. Um, looking to stay home there. Uh, let's talk about him a little bit. I think he's a... Yeah, so he decommitted from Florida you know, okay. during the whole recruiting process a couple weeks ago.
2: And uh, yeah, I don't know where his interest is. I don't yeah. know if he's trying to join Max next year at AM. <laughs> I don't know if he wants to stay home, go to U of H. But you know, Florida was a uh, it's a huge offer to decommit from. Mm-hmm. And AM may
1: be a way to still stay in the SEC but and be a little more local. Not to mention yeah. You have the Max connection and, and all that, so and a couple other Taylor guys as well.
0: Right. And then Hayden Connor, Bryce Foster, Braden Maury, all out of Taylor. All picked up Kansas State offers relatively at the same time. Talk about them a little bit. Um, Hayden Connor, obviously, we talked about earlier playing 7-on-7. Just a freak athlete playing tackle. Uh, Bryce Foster, Braid Mowry, tell us a little bit about these guys. Yeah, so Hayden and Bryce, you know, they're both currently freshmen.
2: They're going to be sophomores next year, (laughs) and they're already picking up all these offers. Uh, Braden's gonna be the guy to watch. Uh, I think you know, he's gonna be a senior this this upcoming year, yeah. And so, pulling like pulling a big offer like K State, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Kansas State is just a really, really solid program. You know, traditionally, they have, uh, you know, if they don't have the best defense, they are disciplined defense always, and they rely on you know, big time DNs or big
0: time linebackers to come in and, and be the anchor of their defense and make the plays, yeah. So, looking back at Braden here, he's he picked up a um. Offer from University of Washington as well. Um, he actually had it narrowed down to his top seven. Um, let's look at these a little bit. Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Michigan, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. <laughs> or, I mean, we've harped on this a little yeah. bit earlier, but <laughs> this, this his yeah, lineup so I mean, with, is just insane. With those offers, I'm not sure how much the Kansas State offer means to him. I don't know if they'll sneak into that list or not. Right. But if you can get, but, you know, if, I mean, still a if good they're all thing, get offers, yeah, so, yeah. if they're, if they're all good buddies too, you might have a a tandem of Taylor guys all head to Kansas State. That's pretty impressive stuff.
2: Which could be what you know, that's could be what K State's
0: looking to, to do. Yeah, exactly. Offering all of them, get a package deal there. And then Jordan Holmes picked up an offer out of May Creek from Hamden Sydney College. Um, the May Creek secondary has gotten a lot of attention. Um, Brian Lampton has received a Nike Combine invite to their regional Combine. So it looks like May Creek Secondary is going to be in pretty good hands next year. Uh, looking at a couple
1: more Katy kids that just signed, uh, Tyler Pullig, so uh, wide receiver, slot wide receiver out of Katy. He just signed with Texas Wesleyan, and Isaiah Jordan, uh, corner, signed with Soul Ross. So Ty is uh, deceptively fast. Yeah, man, he he is quick. He really is. He runs crisp, crisp routes. Uh, I saw him develop over the last couple of years through seven seven stuff. Very strong hands. Very dependable. Just no matter what you wanted, I mean. Corner routes, you can use them down the field. You can use them underneath, catch and run type of guy. Uh, he's just a just a typical dependable slot guy. Yeah,
2: um, I think they'll probably use them. To, I don't know what offense they run, but they'll probably use them a lot, like uh, how West Virginia used Jordan Thompson. Yeah, where they put him in the slot, you know, real quick routes across the middle or quick underneath routes outside, like you know, put him on a corner route, have him. You know, beat the safety inside and break out to the corner. And and he'll he will be wide he, open. Because his he, routes are just really, really good.
1: The, honestly, it reminds me a lot of JT, man. His the the way he ran his routes, his corner yeah. route was almost identical to JT's. Because JT at the time when we were in high school, he he ran the best corner route I'd seen come through Katie. And that's one of our go-to routes. And I told Ty, I said, like, dude, your corner route's the best I've seen since since Jordan Thompson. I hope you know mm-hmm. that. He's got a beautiful little head fake and a little jab stick that he does and he knows, he knows how to really flatten it out to the sideline when he needs to to create a separation, yeah. and he can catch and run with it. He's, he's a very good route runner, and they're definitely getting a good wide receiver out of him. Now, Isaiah, Isaiah Jordan, um, a typical, like you said, this new type of corner, longer, taller dude. He's got a lot of height. He's fighting through an, a bit of an injury, but he's, he's bouncing back well right now. I know, he, I know he's working really hard to do that. I worked a lot with him this summer trying to push through some of the things he was dealing with, but he developed a lot. He's a good kid. He knows how to work hard. Uh, he's a pretty, pretty athletic dude, I man. He's well built. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. Happy he started getting some offers there towards the end. For sure. And that was, it was tough for him to get a lot of the looks because the secondary was so deep this year. Yeah. <laughs> you, had, you had Gianni, you had Joel. You know, we had three or four corners that you could throw out there that could do the job at, right. any, at any point. But I'm glad that he's starting to get some of the recognition he deserves.
0: And I, I hope that he gets to go there and, and really show what he's made of. For sure. Yeah. All right. And then diving into basketball a little bit, we're going to talk about LJ Cryer. He's gaining interest from uh, Kansas and Baylor. Those are two pretty powerhouse basketball programs. Um, we're actually going to have him on for our overtime period, get to talk to him a little bit about it. Yeah, and then last football player,
2: DeAndre Glass, just attended the Texas Junior Day. And a uh, reporter tweeted out that he was you know, real happy with the way the coaches treated players there and you know might be showing some interest toward Texas, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on.
1: Well, especially, I think, you know Kyle Porter, another former KD running back they brought in that program. Ojemowo yeah, just, just went there, yep. so there's a bit of a there's a bit of a they're starting to tap mm, into. <laughs> so hopefully uh, the big red machine here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, something to, something to definitely keep an eye on in the future for sure. So
0: all right, that's gonna do it
2: for our first half. All right, let's dive into the second half. Uh, we're gonna talk about the state swim meet and just kind of mention the medalists. First of all, congratulations to everybody that made the state meet and was able to compete for KDISD. Uh, we're going to start with the bronze medalist. You have Emma Strickland from Taylor, who got a bronze in the 100 backstroke. Braden Rudd, Seven Lakes, bronze in the 100 backstroke. William Cogley from Seven Lakes, got a bronze in the 200 freestyle. The silver medalist, Emma Strickland again from Taylor in the 100 fly. Aria Bernal from Cinco in the 100 backstroke. And Kalia Bratnov from KD with the 100 freestyle. Again, that was a silver medalist. And then Kalia Bratnov got the uh, only gold for KDISD and the 200 individual medley.
1: So, again, congratulations to, to everybody that, that qualified and made it to the state meet, but especially to those that medaled.
0: Congratulations. Great job, guys. Way to represent the district. Another shout-out here for wrestling. The KD High School boys and girls swept regionals and took it home back to KD High School. And on that note,
1: we just finished watching Sage Northcutt, KD High School graduate, get his 10th professional MMA fight in the UFC against uh, Guti. Uh, he's training in California now. He was previously going to school at AM studying engineering, but now he's training full time. He's in California training with Team Alpha Male. Uriah Faber, some of the best to, to ever do it. Uh, he's looking a lot better, a lot more refined. I think if you can get some jujitsu and, and some ground game in with his he's already natural with kickboxing and striking on his feet, he's he's really natural with he's done it since he was like four years old. But he's starting to look really, really good and I think only being twenty-one or twenty-two, I think he'll he'll be uh, he'll be a lot of fun to watch and like I said, we support any Kid SD athlete. So that's that's when they're you know here and when they go on to do bigger, better things. And there's nothing bigger, better in the fighting <laughs> world than the UFC. So yeah, again, congrats awesome. to Sage, and we're definitely gonna be pulling for you in all your all your future fights, and we we hope we should see the best. Let's go ahead and get into the uh, basketball playoffs and start talking about some of these matchups we got coming up. Um Tomkins is playing Ridge Point uh, Monday, 7 p.m. against or at A Leaf Taylor. Uh Tompkins is 26-8 and eight on the season. Rich Point, 24 and 24-12. So it should be a pretty good matchup. What do you, th- what do you think, Zach?
0: Yeah, I, I expect Tompkins to... I, I really do expect them to run away with this one. Um, Tompkins is a pretty good basketball program. Uh, obviously, a, a fairly new school. Excellent basketball program. I fully expect them to come out with this one. And then uh, Morton Ranch is playing Fort Bend Travis. Fort Bend is 20-12.
1: and 12. They'll be playing Tuesday at 7 p.m. at Cinco. So you can definitely go out and su- support Morton. Uh, it's in the city. So I think that Morton... I think Morton has a pretty good chance. Honestly, it's yeah. going to depend. Like the one thing we talked about is they didn't seem to have a lot of just numbers on their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be something that could be a detriment, especially down the stretch. But uh, from what we from what we've heard, Travis is a physical team. Yeah, they're gonna try and play a physical game. I think that might play into Morton's favor. Morton is not afraid to get physical with anybody, and they definitely have the speed to run with to run around you and, was, and be able to yeah. create a lot of problems. I was you gonna know, say L- Morton's speed is just. I mm-hmm. think they're gonna LJ Cryer,
2: You know, being the leader of their team, he when we went and watched them the other night against Seven Legs, he's so quick with the ball, with his crossovers, behind the back, everything. He's really, really quick with the control of the basketball. Plus he's fast. Plus he's not afraid to drive to the lane at all. And I think him leading this team, they could, you know, they can make get a couple wins of playoffs and maybe make a run. It's just a matter of numbers and and making sure they don't get too fatigued too early. Yeah, I just don't know what kind of depth they have. And but I, I, I you know, obviously I think they,
1: they can pull away with that because LJ is a difference maker. Like you said, he'll, he'll go to the hole. I mean, he'll he'll take you to the hole half court, he'll fast breaks, it doesn't matter man. He just it seemed like especially towards the end of the game there, he kind of took over and just got to the basket whenever he wanted <laughs> yeah. to. And if he wanted to pull up and hit a little mid-range jumper, he hit you with that. Yeah. So
0: it, it's going to be interesting to see how these teams try to match up against him. Obviously, he, you know, he's a run and gun type of kid. Um, he gets the ball and goes. Uh yeah. obviously he's a he's a threat as a shooter as well, but uh, his speed is just unbelievable. It's <laughs> I don't know how do you step in front of that to He's he's excellent at drawing the fouls. He's an excellent free throw shooter. Um, I think that's going to be a tough matchup for Fort Ben Travis. Again, I expect Morton to come away with this one. Final matchup: You got Seven Lakes against Fort Bend Bush Tuesday at 7 p.m. at Peito. So again, in the city,
1: go out and support uh, Seven Lakes. Finish the season 23 and 12. Fort Ben Bush 28 and four, and they uh, they
0: ran away with that Fort Ben district. Undefeated in district. This wow. is going to be a this will be a, a gut check for Seven Lakes. I think. Um, obviously, we you know we had Darius Alfred on um, for our last episode. I think they're going to rely pretty heavily on him. Obviously, Fort Bend Bush knows that that's their go-to guy. But Seven Lakes has some weapons around him as well. Seven Lakes coaching is <laughs> second to none. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be very well prepared for Fort Bend Bush. Uh, Fort Ben Bush is a big, long team. Uh, again, undefeated in that district. Um, it's going to be a tough matchup, but I think Seven Lakes can also pull that one off. It might be a, it might be a close game. So, again, that's Monday at 7 p.m. at Ailey-Taylor,
1: Tompkins. Morden Tuesday at 7 p.m. at Cinco. And then Seven Lakes, Tuesday at 7 p.m. at Pato. Uh Make it out if you can. Go out and support the district. It should be some pretty good games. So.
2: Yeah, so uh, this summer is going to be pretty important for, you know, junior recruitment. You now, not everybody's going to get that big-time D1 offer. So I just want to talk a little bit. You know, Brandon went to Trinity University in San Antonio, a D3 school. Uh, Zach went to Dort College, NAIA school. You know, there's nothing wrong with taking these small offers, going to get a great education and continue your athletic careers. So I just want to take the time for a lot of the guys that don't get those big time offers just to talk about the experience, you know, of those smaller schools. You know, while y'all are here, I guess the question I'm going to ask is, you know, what was the recruitment like? Like, how was it different than the guys that are getting all these big time offers? Just, I'll say
1: this first. Recruitment in the area in general, regardless of the tier of athlete, I guess you want to say, it has been... Exploded in the Katy area. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, and it's not, I'm not even. It's not even coming out of a place of jealousy or anything because we had a lot of guys get overlooked before I was here and while I was there. But I'm nothing but happy for all these kids, man. I'm glad to see so many kids getting getting offers from. I mean, all over the district, every school. But for me personally, I was 155 pounds, and it was quick, smart. But I knew that I wasn't going to get anything. I was I was fully aware I wasn't going to get any big time offers. And you know, I, I talked to um, some JUCO's. You know, Trinity Valley came through and talked to it, took a bunch of us and sat us down, try to get a bunch of kid guys up there. Um, and I talked to some some D two schools and stuff, but uh, I mean, I just really it was just talking to some of these D three programs. It was bigger D three programs like Trinity at the time was just coming off a ten to zero season. I went and talked and, and met with Mary Hart and Baylor coaches I went and went visited, and that's that's one of the top D three programs in the country perennially. And it, it was just it was way different, man. It was because. They, they don't offer scholarships, so it's really just like, if you want to come here, you know, this is what we have, you know, this is our thoughts on what we could do with you as far as how we'd use you and where you fit on our depth chart and position-wise what they try and do. And if it's a good fit for you for this for the program and for the school, because with these smaller schools, really, it's they, – they do offer – what they do offer is a great education. Usually, a lot of these smaller D3 schools and private schools are, are very, like, very, very good educationally, so – it's really just about finding the right fit for you, and if you do want to continue your career, and if you want to, if you're realistic about it, and you just, and which I had to be, I'm. I mean, I'm still 155 pounds right now. I was just never going to be that guy that was going to be big enough to go play it. And you know, right. when my friends were going to West Virginia and stuff like that. I knew that wasn't for me. So, and I gave it a shot, and I went and did it. Unfortunately, I got injured pretty early on after having some some early success. But that's the way it is, man. I went and gave it a shot, and I had no regrets about it. You know, I was I had a lot of fun with the guys I, that I got to meet. I'm still friends with dudes I met playing football with. For, I was there for a semester. And yeah. I, I still go seeing my friends from from training to this day. So uh, I'm I definitely have no regrets about it at all. But you can go there and have a, a, you know a successful career at a small school and have a lot of fun doing it. Get a good education in the process. And if that's what you want to do, then then abs- I I don't want to you know tell anybody that they shouldn't go do that. So don't I say don't be discouraged. Just because you have friends around you that are getting division one offers and, and you know going to power five programs and stuff, because it happens, man.
2: But and, and just to touch on one thing, the head coach there now, uh, you know, he made it to the NFL. Mm-hmm. He was a receiver at Trinity, played at Trinity. Well, he came in. He came in as a quarterback, yeah, and they moved and him to, he moved to receiver. Him to receiver, and and he made it to the NFL. He had a successful career. Played in the Super Bowl had a had a had a
1: catch or two in the Super Bowl yeah. as a Division Three receiver who made it to the made it to the NFL. Yeah, so there
2: are people that make it from the from the lower levels. Absolutely, um, and sometimes some teams prefer guys that that are dominant at those lower levels and and mm-hmm. are, can still be coached a little bit more, and they bring them in and. And they get the job done at the at the pro level. And honestly,
1: there's a lot more than you think. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that you can say came from D, like D three schools that came up and just were like all pro and like Hall of Famers. But there's a lot of guys who are consistently on rosters because they they're on whether it's special teams or whatever it is that their role is, they fit the role and they get their job done. Right. And that's what he was, Jeremy Urban's his name, Coach Urban, great guy. If, if you if anybody out there is talking to Trinity, he's a he's one of my favorite coaches I've ever had, and. Just, just a heck of a dude. And, you know, he was with the Cowboys for a little bit. Like, he had a kick return for the tu- uh, for a touchdown for the Cowboys in the preseason and stuff. And if you just – guys that play at these smaller programs, they're, they're hungry, you know, Cause, because you didn't get the looks and you didn't get the attention. But I right. will say that I played with guys and against guys at the D3 level that absolutely can hang with Division one talent. Absolutely. They just don't have the height or the weight or whatever – or the right 40 or whatever whatever like little intangible that an A&M was looking for that you didn't fit. I played with guys that can straight-up ball at the D3 level. And I have no doubts in my ability. I played with and against Division I level players my entire high school career. We played a North Shore team that had a ridiculous (laughs) amount of D1 talent, man. And we went out there and beat them 4-4-6, and I played a pretty big hand in that. And so I I have no doubt in my abilities at all. I have no doubt in any of the guys that I played with. It's just the way it is. You just might not fit the mold, right? Don't let
2: that discourage you. Just play where you fit, man. And yeah. then Zach, you know, you played. You had a little different experience with NAIa, um, you know, which is essentially a, a small D two or or D three program. Uh, so you went to Dork College and you played there, coming out of Maid Creek. So how did that go for you?
0: Yeah, so I mean, for the recruiting aspect of it, you know, NAIa is different from Division three in the aspect of they can offer you an athletic scholarship. Obviously, um, some schools can offer, and some NAI schools can offer full ride um, athletic scholarships. You're most likely a baller. You're a Division One talent, but you know for some reason you want to stay close to home. Whatever the case may be, um, those some of those schools do make those offers, but most of the time. It's a partial scholarship. You're looking at maybe a third to a half of it being paid for. But then on top of that, you're also looking at academic scholarships, which they can offer you as well. So, you know, if you've got above a 3.0 GPA out of high school, you're looking at $3,000 to $5,000 scholarship on top of your athletic scholarship, which, you know, you're getting to the point of now covering three-fourths of your school which is huge, and so even in the Division three, you don't get an athletic scholarship, but they put a huge emphasis on that financial aid package yeah. And GPA, and SATs, exactly. and, kind of and so, exactly. Yeah. So when, so you know, when people are, <laughs> I ignored it in high school. Um, <laughs> when people are harping on you about your grades, it couldn't be more true, because you know, at the end of the day, if you're getting recruited by a Division three school and you want to go play, really, it's going to come down to your grades if you can afford to or not. Um, obviously, you know, if, you, if you're a 3-9 guy, you might get a full-ride academic scholarship and get to play football. You're looking at the same, <laughs> same aspect of a, as a D1 guy. Um, obviously, a little bit um, lower-level talent-wise, I guess you could say. Um, but, yeah, the NAI experience, was it was, it was different for sure. Um, there, at the NAI level, I think you're going to get a lot more exposure. Um, there's a lot more schools that will reach out to you, especially if you're a lower lower-caliber lower caliber type guy. Um, that those D one guys aren't coming after, but you'll get a lot of recognition. You know, you get, you get the phone calls, you get the visits. Um, Dort came down, had lunch with me and my mom. Um, it was an awesome experience. Um, I wouldn't take anything back from it. Uh, obviously being in Northwest Iowa was kind of a, <laughs> Adjustment. A, a bitter, <laughs> bitter winter, <laughs> but you know, some, you, you might not have to go that far. You know, Texas Wesleyan mm. now has an AI program. Um, you know, for, for our KD guys, it's a, that's an experience to stay close to home. Um, I would like to see Texas Wesleyan start taking a little bit more interest in um, the KD area. But, yeah, I mean, you're looking at the same type of recruitment. They'll come visit you. You'll have phone calls. Um, I think the biggest piece of advice that I could offer was is to ask questions. I know when I was being recruited by a lot of these schools that, you know, they'd say – all right, you have any questions for us? And, you know, I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head, but it would have been nice to sit down on like FaceTime or a phone call and sit in and listen to a meeting with coaches. Um, I think that was the biggest adjustment was going from a Lance Carter type coach um, in Katy and then going to a small private Christian school. The coaching is a lot different. I'm not going to say it's better or worse, but it's, it's a very different approach as to how they communicate with their players. Um, that was an adjustment that I had to get used to for sure. Um, getting to know your coaches is huge that are recruiting you. Um, do your research, things like that. Um, make sure you're going to a high-quality program. Here in Katy, we've got some of the highest-quality high school football coaches in the country. Um, so it's really just about doing your research and if you really want to play or not. Yeah, just, just to kind of just to piggyback off of that, definitely do your research as far you
1: know, any questions you have, I'm lucky enough that my dad's a very thorough individual. Yeah. So we came with a list of questions <laughs> to and you know, Baylor, Trinity, anywhere I was going. I mean, we had, we had a bunch of questions prepared because he and I sat and talked, and he kind of forced me to, to formulate questions on my own, and he had questions that he had. And I got to know those coaches very well. But like you said, these pro- programs we have in 196 I don't think most kids that come through truly understand or appreciate how lucky we are. And I, I obviously coming from a school like Katie, yeah. I, I did understand it, and I, I definitely appreciate it, and I, I have the utmost respect for all the coaches that I ever that ever took me under their wing or or took the time to to really coach me up at Katie. But this goes for any of the programs in the, in the city, man, was, there's nothing but great coaching staffs in this in this city. So take that into account and and really appreciate that because there are programs that don't have that don't have that. They have coaches that may not put the time in or don't care about their players as much and it's, it's more it's more of a business or whatever. Right. And that's for every level. Mm-hmm. So I, I would just say that really get to know your coaches and see like, what their values are, what they care about, how they treat their players, how they value their players, all those things. And take all those into account and just find the program that fits you best. Don't settle. Don't ever settle because you're mm-hmm. this is where you're going to get your education. This is where you're going to... Really form the person that you're gonna be for sure outside of your own home for the next four plus years. Yeah. So you know, really think on it, pray on it, talk with your family, all those things, and and ultimately just go where you think fits you
2: best. We all have friends that you know went D one, you know might have gone pro, but went to these big time colleges. Other than the facilities, you know what could be similarities between D one and these lower level schools, and what are the big differences or setbacks that they have i would say some of
1: the biggest difference and it depends on depends on you and it depends on what you really care about the biggest difference for me was fan base you know and that sounds a little jaded i guess but i mean man when you play you play katie we're playing in front of anywhere from five to i played it from anywhere in front of anywhere from five to forty something thousand people in my high school career so to go to Trinity, that was one of the the main things that did kind of make it a little difficult. But even before I got hurt, you know, it was just like our first couple of games, there was a couple hundred people there. And I just remember getting a pick six in my first game and crossing the goal line and not really feeling all that excited. So that's definitely an adjustment. And it, it obviously depends on the school. Because the school at Trinity, most of the kids there are there for educational purposes. And so there's not... It wasn't a whole lot of support behind the football program yet. Yeah, they just had like their first real big ten 0 season, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, then again, a school like Maryland and Baylor, their facilities and their stadium and yeah. their fans are unbelievable because they are they are. That's what they do is they play football. Maryland yeah. and Baylor is known for their football. So the level I don't think matters, you know, because you can go get a basic, all, virtually a Division One experience at, at a school like Maryhard and Baylor. For sure. So. That was one of the big differences. You can get D one facilities at a D3 school because D3 schools have so much money.
0: Oh, definitely. (laughs) It's just a matter of what they do with it. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I mean, my experience is a lot of the same, um, like what you touched on. But I think the biggest thing going out of state, so if you're a KD kid and you're looking to go up north, those are basketball states. um, Obviously, you know, you're going to have your niche of football community and people that support the football team and football program, things like that. But um, mostly going up north, you're going to have basketball diehard fans. Um, And it's something that, you know, you'll have to get used to that football comes second when it comes to basketball. Um, Dort, When I was there, was a huge basketball program. Um, They were in the national tournament time after time, year after year. Um, It wasn't until my senior year we got a new uh, coaching staff. Basketball started to slack a little bit. Um, and then our football program started to win. I was an assistant coach there for a year, and I had never seen anything like it. We had, you know, you get 1,500 fans in the stands. We didn't have that when I was playing. Um, so, And that's another thing, you know, do your research on your coaches. Uh, make sure you fit the schemes and things like that. Make sure you know uh, what you're getting into. Uh, obviously, you know, you watch the big D1 programs on on TV all the time. You might not know what the, what the schemes look like at these D3 NAI schools that are recruiting you, but the talent level, a lot of the times, you know, there's a program in Northwest Iowa. You can look them up, Morningside College. Um, they put guys in the NFL every single year. Um, so the talent level is there. I think uh, my alum- my alumni, uh, Dort College, has a guy transferring from the University of Iowa. Um, he's going to come play for Dort this next upcoming year. Um, he wanted to play running back. They had him at linebacker at Iowa. He didn't like it. He's coming to Dort next year, and he's probably going to be a first-team All-American. We've had two first-team All-American running backs in a row, um, and he's going to be the third one. And so, it you know, the talent level is definitely there. It's not going to be at every position, but there are definitely guys at those levels that can play. They just shine a little bit more. Exactly. In you know.
2: Division Three, you have your Mary Hardens, the
0: guys go pro. You White have Mount
2: Union, Whitewater. Whitewater. Yeah, was, yeah, there's there's a couple of, like, powerhouse programs that they send guys pro almost every year. Mm-hmm. And Division Two, you know, you, you have the same thing. Division Two is not much of a drop-off. 1AA mm-hmm. uh, is not hardly a drop-off yeah, at all. Carson it's Nuts. nuts. Yeah. Uh, straight in the NFL
1: and was, before he got hurt, in my opinion, was going to be the MVP, MVP of the NFL. A lot, sure. of,
2: a lot of JUCOs have D1 guys that, you know, whether it's grades or they just had a problem when they first got to college, they just, or they got overlooked. And they go JUCO for a year or two, and then they go back to D1. Cam Newton went to Bloom. Yeah, yeah. That's a perfect example. They, <laughs> yeah, they either go the straight old, to pro yeah. or they go back to D one yeah, and exactly. then they go pro. You know, it, people make it. You know, the chances of making it pro are very slim. So
0: just make sure you focus on you know your education and, and your future before you focus on going pro. And yeah. I just wanted to touch on this a little bit too. So I know there's probably a little bit of confusion on like the NAI D two distinction. The way that I've I've interpreted it is that up north, NAI is basically considered Division two as it is to the south. So Texas, you consider, you know, your division two school. Um, what's a division two school? Texas Kingsville. A&M Kingsville. Texas A&M Kingsville. That's basically like a morning side. West Texas A&M. To, right? Yeah. To, um, to like a morning side up in Iowa. Um, you don't hear about the division two schools up north. It's all about NAIA. So if there's any kind of confusion on that, obviously we have an NAIA program in Texas, Texas Westland. Um, I'm sure there's another one. I think Sagu is NAIA, if I'm correct. Think so. Yes, SAGU's NAI. So those so those are your NAI Texas schools, but as you get further up north, NAI is really considered like, as far as a fan base is concerned, the Division II program of college football. You don't hear about the Division II schools up north, you hear more about the NAI programs.
2: Alright, well that's gonna wrap it up for today's podcast. Just make sure to go follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at cover four Katie. We appreciate any feedback, any questions that you guys have
1: or any topics that you want us to touch on, athletes or teams that deserve shout-outs. We're willing to hear,
0: you know, anything and everything. So just let us know. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. Welcome to our overtime period. We're here with LJ Cryer.
3: Uh, how you doing, guys?
0: All right, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, any hobbies outside of basketball. Um, I just like to hang with my friends, go see
3: a movie, uh, like to hang around with my brother. I'm a big brother. My brother um, likes to work out with me, so I work out with him a lot. Um, I'm a family-oriented person, so I like to spend a
0: lot of time with family. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. All right, what was the what was the toughest team to match up against in 1968 this past year?
3: Um, probably Compton because they're just so long. So, and um.
0: They're in our district, so they can do a lot of scouting on it, so. For sure. That's probably the purpose of What did they do that kind of you noticed that they kind of tried to um, manipulate your play a little bit? Did they do anything sort of special that kind of um, inhibited you from performing the way that you wanted to? Um, not really. Both of my games were really good. Um, they tried to like test the screens really hard, but I, I
3: think I played really well both times when I played against them.
0: All right, good deal. Uh, what do you so heading into this first round playoff matchup against Fort Bend Travis? Uh, what do you see out of them? What's the game plan heading into it, and what do you look to exploit against them in this first round playoff matchup? Um,
3: Fort Bend Travis is a real physical team, so it's going to come down to just us being more physical than them and just playing our game. Does, doesn't really change. Just play unselfish, and we'll come out on top. If we do that.
0: All right, good deal, yeah, man. We're hoping that Morton Ranch is able to pull that off and get to that next round. Uh, so, obviously, you know, you've got a lot of attention recruiting. Um, you're only a sophomore. That's awesome stuff. What's the – so, I mean, that's obviously a huge adjustment. What's the recruiting process been like for you so far?
3: Uh, it's been really exciting. Um, I've been talking to a lot of schools lately, Well, a lot in Texas in particular mm-hmm. now, um, so it's fine
0: <laughs> what's what's your family think about all of it
3: Uh, I don't really know I, I can't really talk to them <laughs> they're
0: probably excited about it too yeah I hear you. alright man so do you have a do you have a dream school on a that you're just kind of waiting on a phone call from um growing up my dream school was always I got to candidates but I
3: talked to them a couple times this year and they came and visited the school. So, it was blessed to yeah.
1: getting recruited by all these schools. That's big, man. So, what does their interest level seem to be like, you know, especially being so young right now? you still got two years left to play. They seem, they seem to be pretty, uh, like, you know, pretty intent on you or, or how's that going? Um, yeah, definitely, a, a lot of
3: schools in Texas are pretty intense and Kansas is starting to get on the radar. Um, but, like, a lot of Texas schools, they call, like, every day and stuff,
1: so. <laughs> that's big, man. That's good. So, we're yeah, we're definitely happy for you, man. Anytime, anytime an athlete from KDISD is getting any kind of attention and, and they're doing well, you know, we, we'll always pull for them. So, that's good. We wish the best for you, man. Thank
0: you. Thank you. All right, man, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, hopefully we get some more exposure for you, get some more phone calls and things like that. Uh, Obviously, we've got, you've got two more years. Uh, we'll be watching you, man. Wish you the best. All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks and for best, coming on, man. Hey, best of luck with that playoff matchup, man. Go get that dub. All
3: right. I got you. Thanks.